What's your crypto genesis story? So I discovered Bitcoin in 2013 and I would not buy Bitcoin when it would cross $100 because I thought it was very expensive. That was Stacks co-creator Maneeb Ali, who thought Bitcoin was too expensive at just $100. He joins us in just a few minutes to talk about everything going on in the Bitcoin ecosystem, especially Bitcoin layer twos. So don't miss that. Welcome to First Mover. I am Jen Sinassi. On this show, you get all of your top news headlines and interviews with industry heavy hitters. Let's get right into it and take a look at what's going on in the news this morning. Another X account was compromised and this time MicroStrategy fell victim. MicroStrategy's X account was hacked with a phishing message posted for its followers. The X account sent out a post announcing the launch of an MSTR token and link for claiming the fake token. The phishing attempt has led to almost half a million dollars worth of crypto being stolen. That's according to blockchain sleuth Zach XBT. The post has since been deleted. MicroStrategy was not immediately available for comment. And in more crypto crime news, the Blast ecosystem sees its first apparent scam as a rug pull claims 1.3 million Ether. Risk on Blast, a gambling and exchange platform, disappeared with over 420 Ether raised from retail traders. The anonymous team sent nearly $500,000 to Change Now and other large sums to MexC and Bybit after raising $1 million from investors. A rug pull is a type of exit scam that involves a team raising money from investors and the public by selling a token only to quietly shut down afterwards. Blast has previously posted about the project on its official X handle, which could have been taken by investors as a sign of legitimacy. Bitcoin prices were little changed this morning in line with low weekend volatility, while Ether and some ecosystem tokens were driving gains instead on the back of an ETH ETF narrative. Bitcoin hovered around the $51,000 mark earlier this morning, while Ether regained the $3,100 level. FX Pro senior market analyst told Coindesk in an email that without a bounce from here, we could see a deeper correction begin potentially as low as forty-seven dollars to $49,000. Since the story was published, Bitcoin has blasted past the $53,000 mark. All right, let's introduce our first guest now. Joining us on First Mover is co-creator of Stacks, Muneeb Ali. Muneeb, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you and my tone has changed. We just talked about crypto crime in the headlines. Uh, what are you watching in the news this morning? I think one of the news items recently that caught my eye was uh, a recent funding round of Eigenlayer. So they raised around $100 million from uh, A16Z. I think the thing that interests me about that particular protocol is that it's looking at capital that's locked on ETH and trying to find interesting uh, use cases for it. Like how can you reuse the locked capital? And I'm very interested in seeing these types of primitives uh, evolve around Bitcoin as well. Uh, we know that Bitcoin is sort of like the apex predator, like it's the pr pristine asset. And these types of concepts coming to Bitcoin could be much more significant because Bitcoin is a trillion dollars in capital. And we are just seeing the start of uh, people locking their BTC capital into smart contracts, running on L2s and so on. And I think if we can provide people with increased flexibility where they could lock BDC in a contract, but then potentially reuse it in, in other interesting ways. Obviously, it comes with risks and all. So I think that was that was a news item that uh, that definitely caught my eye. 
Eigenlayer is a really hot topic lately, really exciting project that everyone is talking about, Madib, and you, you're mentioning the latest funding round there. How difficult would it be to bring something like this to Bitcoin? And what kind of timeline would we be looking at uh, to see this kind of development in, in the Bitcoin ecosystem? So I think the main difficulty in bringing these types of protocols to Bitcoin have always been at the L2 infrastructure layer. Right? So there are two parts to it. One is, you know, what's the consensus mechanism for the L2? Is it really secured by Bitcoin? That's work that, you know, for example, Stacks has done with the Stacks Nakamoto launch, where, the, where your transactions are secured by 100% of Bitcoin hash power. And the second thing is how secure it is to move your BTC from L1 into L2. And over there, Stacks has done some work with SBDC, but other projects like BitVM actually reduce their trust assumptions uh, significantly. So I think we are making progress on both those two sort of like critical infrastructure points. Once that's done, and I think we are very close, Stacks Nakamoto launch is only a, a few months out at this point, then I think the developers can program anything that they want within the L2 environment. So that's sort of like the exciting part that once these infrastructure challenges are behind us, I think we can unlock a lot of creativity uh, by developers using BTC as, as the asset. Manib, you just mentioned so many developments for the Bitcoin ecosystem. And for so long, Bitcoin was an ecosystem that was relatively unchanged, right? Really slow to move, really did what it did great. But the innovation that we saw, we saw from, you know, Ethereum and ecosystems that are, were built to challenge them of Ethereum's um, offerings. So as an OG in the space, I mean, sitting here in 2024 talking about these developments, I, I just want to hear, you know, how does it feel? How does it feel to be sitting here and talking about um, Bitcoin evolving at such a rapid pace? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely interesting. I would say that uh, from from where I stand, it definitely took longer than I expected. Uh, for example, I mean, we knew that you know ecosystems outside of Bitcoin can move faster, they can take more risks, and they can innovate faster as well. But you can sort of like watch some of some of those experiments and the stuff that's working out. For example, one clear example would be stablecoins. At this point, we know stablecoins work. They have clear product market fit. People want them. People want to use them. Then, then these primitives would come to Bitcoin. I think the coming to Bitcoin part was slower than we anticipated, uh, but it definitely feels good that it's finally happening. Uh, and I think Ordinals uh, and, uh, and Casey, they deserve a lot of credit. Like I, I do think when Ordinals started, that was sort of like the spark where Bitcoin culture started changing, the amount of developers and capital coming into Bitcoin started changing. And then some of the OG projects like Stacks and others who were already working, I think they uh, got like some sort of a fresh fuel on the fire as well. And people saw that, look, a lot of this stuff is already built or almost there. And now developers are getting getting really excited about it. So I think I think I'm in, in some ways, I'm glad that we took the slow and steady approach that we are still around to see the innovation coming back back to Bitcoin. And I think I think that's, that's an exciting time to be here. Let's talk a little bit more about Stacks. You mentioned the Nakamoto upgrade that's uh, coming up soon. Talk to me about your focus for Stacks as we move further into 2024 and what we can expect from the upgrade. Yeah, so I think one of the things that as, as, as Bitcoiners, uh, we, we definitely have like a different set of values. Like there is definitely much more long-term thinking there's definitely aversion to taking needless risks. 
So I think the Stacks L2 project like basically represents a lot of that. For example, a lot of R&D work went into designing uh, really safe programming languages. Similarly, on the consensus side, a ton of work went into reusing Bitcoin's hash power as much as possible or reusing Bitcoin security as much as possible. So I think it definitely sort of like shows that long-term thinking. So Nakamoto launch has been in the works, I would say at this point, almost like two years. And a lot of challenges, frankly, were uh, operating as a decentralized ecosystem. Again, going back to the ethos of Bitcoin, uh, the Stacks L2 ecosystem itself is heavily decentralized. I think there are like 10 plus different entities that are contributing to some of the core software and they're, they're like 20 or, or more uh, outside of that as well. And sometimes there is a lot of overhead and challenges in, in uh, functioning as a decentralized ecosystem, but I think it's better for the long-term health as well. So with the Stacks Nakamoto, I think things are sort of like finally coming together and, and maybe the timing would work out as well. A lot of devs are excited about doing the launch of Nakamoto, which is basically a much faster L2 that is secured by 100% of Bitcoin uh, hash power. And, and so people are looking forward to that, and that, that increase in speed and functionality, but the timing might be very interesting because right now it's scheduled for approximately when Bitcoin halving is happening. And I think that'd be, be sort of interesting because Bitcoin, there's a lot of attention on Bitcoin during, during the halving time. And if the, the major L2 is doing, doing a, a launch around the same time, I think that'd be, that'd be very exciting. I think so too. I kind of can't. I kind of can't wait for those two things to to happen at the same time. So I'll be uh, on the edge of my seat waiting for that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin scalability. Layer twos uh, are really meant to solve some of the scalability challenges uh, with the network. Talk to me about if that's happening, what still needs to happen, especially as more and more people become interested in Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin network, off the back of the spot ETFs, off the back of ordinals. What needs to happen? Can Bitcoin, um, can Bi Bitcoin facilitate this adoption that we're all so excited about and building towards? Yeah. So I think over there, I would say, uh, let's say that at a rough approximation, you know, 100 million people use Bitcoin. I, th I think the numbers are off depending on like what, uh, what data set do you use. But let's say approximately it's, a, it's 100 million uh, people right now. To get to a billion people, we know for sure that it's not going to happen on the Bitcoin L1. Like there's basically no way, right? Like they wouldn't be able to own like a UTXO uh, on chain. So we absolutely need these L2 solutions. And one of the things that has changed in the last one year is that I think before uh, the Bitcoin community was sort of like putting all of the scalability eggs in the same basket, which was Lightning. And don't get me wrong, like Lightning is amazing. I think I think some of the companies there have done groundbreaking work. Uh, they're they're growing. They're actually getting more nodes online. But interestingly, over the last one year, this sort of like uh, attitude has shifted to let's try all sorts of experiments as L2s. And this is something that happened with Ethereum, right? We, we see almost like 10 to 20 like big projects, but in terms of experiments that people tried, it will probably be 100 or 200 or more. And some of them didn't work out. Some of them sort of like became uh, like bigger projects with more traction, more capital, more developers and so on. And now we are beginning to see that, that with Bitcoin. There's obviously Stacks and Rootstock, which are sort of like the more OGs, but there are a fresh sort of like batch of new L2s coming up that, that is very, very exciting. Because what happens is you let the free markets try different designs and then people are tweaking things. They're trying like different sort of like, you know, uh, iterations and remixes of, of different ideas. 
And the probability that at least a few of them are going to work is actually much, much higher than putting all of your eggs in the same basket, right? So I think with that happening, my confidence level that we will have some L2s that are actually sort of like working out commercially in the market and taking a lot of load off of Bitcoin L1, where the experience is great, people can do fast, cheap transactions, and, and infrastructure sort of goes in the background. That's, that's, that's like where we want to be, where Bitcoin infrastructure is just in the background. It's reliable. People just can do fast, cheap payments, and it sort of like works all the time. And I think, I think uh, with these new experiments, uh, I think some of the L2s would definitely be able to deliver on that. You know, we spoke about ordinals just a few minutes ago, and ordinals have really revived the NFT narrative. And it's interesting that that came from the Bitcoin ecosystem. You know, it's if I saw a chart the other day, ordinals was like kind of up here, and all the Ethereum NFTs were um, much lower, especially at the beginning of 2024. Do you think that we're going to see some of that traction that we saw with Ethereum come over to Bitcoin. Do you think we're going to see Bitcoin start to outpace Ethereum in other Web3 applications that we've seen Ethereum be successful in in the past as these developments happen um, in the network? Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll separate out the two things here. One about ordinals. Um, I'm of the view that usually in some when, when something finds like product market fit, there is like one core property that sort of like stands out and people just get it, right? Like it's, it's and, and often it's like something very simple. Like for the case of Bitcoin as money, um, it's 21 million coins. It's as simple as that. People know that there only ever will be 21 million coins and it's durable, it's not going to change and people get it. It's, it's a very simple thing. And if you look at Ethereum, they've tried very complicated arguments around ultrasound money and how you know, supply is changing and this and that. And that complicated thing is actually not working. The simple, there will only be 21 million coins is actually what's working in the market. Same with NFTs, when I look at it, yes, there are many other factors, but just the fact that with ordinals, the image is literally on the chain and it's not on any chain, it's on Bitcoin, right? We know that Bitcoin is going to be around. I think that one property just stands out. Like people just feel that, you know, this is real, uh, this thing is never going to disappear, and my digital art is now stored forever. And that's it. Like, I think that's the base level property. And then there are obviously other things around it that are leading to a lot of uh, sort of interest there. And I think with, with Bitcoin DeFi, which is the main thing that gets enabled by L2s, we'll, we'll again see like these like simple primitives. For example, one I can think of is a lot of people don't want to sell their Bitcoin, right? So a very simple primitive could be, hey, don't sell your Bitcoin, but lock it in a decentralized way and get some liquidity, take a stable coin loan. Again, a simple concept that a lot of people get and they can start using it. Like, I think that's how you start getting a lot of product market fit. And now coming to your second question, I do think that in the, in the overall industry right now, there's a lot of um, sort of like capital and developers who have the model that there will be some Alt L1, like a Solana or something else, they're going to start eating on Ethereum's market share. I think there's some truth to it. Solana is, is, is gaining a lot of traction. It's popular in developers and so on. But I think what the market sort of like is beginning to see right now is that there's a much bigger category, which is Bitcoin L2s. Because these Bitcoin L2s can match the Alt L1s or Ethereum head-to-head uh, -head on every single feature. Could be speed, could, could be expressivity and so on, but they can match it. And I think that could potentially be a much bigger market simply because of the fact that they're not starting from zero. Like whenever you launch a new, new project, 
you're sort of like starting from zero in terms of how much capital there is in that ecosystem. But when you launch a Bitcoin L2, you're launching something on top of a trillion dollars of, of capital, right? So I think the, there's a, and there's there's a sort of like a much easier path to that capital getting deployed and, and Bitcoin L2s as a category growing. So I do think they're going to start giving ETH L2s some competition, but, uh, but even like ETH L1 might start seeing competition coming from Bitcoin L2s, which is something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Besides Stacks, uh, what Bitcoin L2 are you watching? Uh, what Bitcoin L2 is doing something very innovative that you're keeping your eye on? Yes. Yeah, so I think the landscape right now, what it looks like is uh, there are the big fours, which is Stacks, Rootstock, Lightning, and Liquid. And they're all sort of like very different, right? Like Liquid is a, is a federation. Lightning is mostly like for payments and a peer-to-peer -peer thing. I think Rootstock and Stacks would qualify as uh, what the Ethereum or Solana developers expect from, from AL2. Right, so those are the are the two bigger ones, and then there are, there are new experiments coming. I think Babylon is one. They're doing something very interesting with enabling Bitcoin to be locked at the L1 level, and you're sort of like participating in proof of stake on on other chains. I think that's a that's a very interesting model. Uh, some people have worked on th things called spider chains, which are which are again interesting. Trying to the common trend there is trying to reuse BTC capital. They can take Bitcoin capital and participate in becoming a validator. On, on, on an L2 or some, some other ecosystem uh, out there. And I'll come back to the project that I'm, I'm very, very excited about, which is BitVM. It's not a, something that is a L2 itself, but it's a fundamental building block that can enable other L2s that can even potentially use like ZK uh, style rollups. Uh, but more importantly, I think BitVM helps the bridges, like the bridges between the L1 and the L2s. I think we are maybe like a year out from seeing it really uh, working out in production. But now that we have a path that doesn't require any changes to Bitcoin at one, like that makes it very, very realistic and practical. Like before that, a lot of people would rightly criticize that if your L2 requires changes from the Bitcoin at one, you're probably never going to get those changes. But with BitVM or the work that we are doing with SBDC, um, we, don't, we don't require any changes from, from Bitcoin at one. So I think that becomes a much more pragmatic, practical solution that people know it's going to ship. It's going to work. Um, and, and I think that just changes the game. We do have to wrap, but I want to quickly ask you, this show is for our mainstream audience. A lot of folks are interested in Bitcoin now because of the approval of the spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States. But what do you think needs to happen to get a mainstream audience more interested in some of the other facets of the Bitcoin network, not just the spot Bitcoin ETF that was recently approved? I look at spot ETFs as, as um, Bitcoins use as a digital gold or a store of value, like you're passively sort of like holding your Bitcoin. And I think for the mainstream users, one thing I'd love to see is more wallets like Leather or Xworks. These are kind of like next generation web wallets for Bitcoin. They have big uh, built-in support for L2s. And I think they can expose people to actively using their, their Bitcoin. So in my mind, the model is that if you're, using Bitcoin on the L1, maybe you have a hardware wallet, you're doing self-custody, or you just buy through an ETF. That's sort of like the store of value, digital gold use case. But when you're using your Bitcoin in a wallet like Leather or Xverse, which is like a modern web wallet, you, then you're doing interesting things with it. You might be able to you know, swap against a stable coin or purchase an Ardinal or an NFT 
or participate in like some smart contracts. And that's, I think, the more and more users that we see that are using Bitcoin in that modern way. I think that could be very exciting because once you like use it, you can almost like touch and feel it. And then you get the idea of like how powerful this technology is versus just you know passively holding it. Maneeb, thanks so much for joining the show. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Speaking of Bitcoin, let's take a look at the chart of the day. The chart of the day is presented by Crypto.com, the leading crypto platform trusted by over 80 million users worldwide. A key indicator on Bitcoin futures and options suggests outside levels of leverage in the market with potential for leverage flushout and a sudden drop in price. The ratio between the implied yield basis or annualized spread between prices for one-month futures and prices in spot markets and options-induced one-month implied volatility has more than doubled, according to data tracked by STS Digital. Excess bullish speculation often leads to forced closure of leveraged positions due to margin shortage. The liquidations then can end up fueling a sharp price slide. Bitcoin rallied nearly 22% this year on the back of the approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs in the United States. That is a wrap for First Mover today. Thank you to our guest, Maneeb Ali. As a note, sometimes on this show, we edit interviews for length and clarity. And as you know, we are on a journey to make this show the best show it can possibly be. So if you have any tips and tricks for us, just DM those to me on X and we'll be sure to implement them. In the meantime, you can get all of your updates on Coindesk.com. I'm Jensen Assey. We'll see you tomorrow.